I am glad to see each of you. I'm glad you're here. Um, I see lots of faces of people that I don't know, and I'm excited about that. Um, My name is Edie Fleming, and I'm just here to speak to y'all today because I'm a small group leader and because the Lord has asked me to do this from time to time, and I'm willing to do it with much trembling. But (laughs) you might hear that in my voice from time to time. But I love to prepare and do these lessons because um, it's kind of a yes and no situation. I love it because the Lord teaches me so much, and yet it's hard because the Lord convicts me so much. So I think I probably learn a lot more than you'll learn from me, but I want to share with you today what the Lord has laid on my heart. So as we get started, let's pray. Father, I do love you, and as the songwriter said, I lift my voice today to worship you. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Lord, may the words that come out of my lips come directly to this room from your Holy Spirit, and may they fall on prepared hearts and ears ready to hear and to apply what you have for them today. In Jesus' name, amen. So hopefully in your small groups today, you are really able to delve into these chapters and and talk about the words that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. I want to take take just a moment, though, because Paul's audience here was the church at Corinth, and he was talking, as you read through it, you probably realized that he was talking primarily to what he defined as ministers of the gospel. And sometimes it's real easy for us to assume that that means that he's talking to our pastors, our Sunday school teachers, our Bible study teachers, and isn't that great that they have this chapter to study? But he's not talking to just them. We are all ministers of the gospel if we are a believer. And we see how this scripture is beneficial to us even if we are not in uh, ministry as a profession. We see that in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is beneficial. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And we see that all through this scripture for us today. And we're going to see principles from several passages in this chapter, but I want us primarily to focus on verses 15 and 16. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, and to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Again, Paul is speaking here to believers in the church of Corinth. In this passage, he's speaking primarily to ministers of the gospel. He is trying to encourage them through periods of depression and discouragement and to encourage them to press on through those times with the confidence that the victory has already been won by Christ. We see that in verse, the verse, verse 14 where we are being led in triumphal procession. That is because in Christ, the victory has already been won. Um, as they point people to the, to the gospel, as ministers of the gospel point people to the gospel, they are honoring God by their service. First and foremost, anything a believer does to advance the gospel is first to God and then to those that hear. And we see that in those two little words, to God. Sometimes we can focus on the aroma of Christ to those who are being saved and to those who are perishing, but those two words are so important because all that we do And all that we say is to God first and then to everyone else. Um, Their ministry, our ministry, is unto God, not unto man. As we point people to the gospel, we are honoring God by our service. 
He wants us to not grow weary by focusing on temporal results like numbers. As we look at this passage, it's easy for us to assume it's not really directed to us if we're not in the professional ministry. However, if we are a true believer, I'm saying this again, and when something is said twice, it's because we really need to hear it, so trust me. (laughs) Um, If we are a true believer, then we are a minister of the gospel. We see that in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And in 1 Peter 2, 9, we are told, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The theological term for that is the priesthood of all believers. And that is the verse that tells us in First Peter that as a believer, we are a minister of the gospel. So we've established that these verses apply to us. And I want us to really, really spend some time today examining what Paul means by the term the aroma of Christ. So what exactly is an aroma? Definition-wise, it is a distinctive, typically pleasant smell. I personally think of an aroma as something that stays with you long after you are out of its direct presence. It's not just a smell that comes and goes. It lingers for a while, if not forever. One of my absolute favorite smells, you're all going to go, oh yeah, is the smell of baking bread. You with me? Yes, the smell of baking bread. It is amazing. And I remember as a child, when we would drive, my memory is that it was somewhere on Monroe. And we would head down that direction and wonder bakery. I can picture the sign and the building today, and I would start smelling that smell miles away, probably five blocks, if not miles away from the Wonder Bakery. And it was always a big day if we got to go in and get treats or 25-cent day-old bread. Yeah, I just aged myself, but that's okay. (laughs) So that is one of my absolute favorite smells. Um, It was such a pleasant, comforting smell, and it would make my mouth water and leave me with the memory of that smell for days afterwards. So let's think about that in the context of believers being the aroma of Christ. An encounter with someone who is the aroma of Christ will leave, an, will leave a lasting impression. It will cause someone, someone who is being saved or someone who is perishing, with a, with a, it will give them a lingering memory of the encounter and a longing for more interaction to understand the source of the aroma, which is Christ himself. Some of you may bake your own sourdough bread. Last week on GOL... Betsy offered a starter to anyone who would like to do that. And I started thinking about this starter. A lot goes into baking bread. There are ingredients that are combined together to make an edible loaf of bread. An edible loaf of bread, edible loaf of bread, (laughs) will emit an amazing aroma as it is baking. It will be a lingering aroma in your home for hours and sometimes days after the actual baking. So in order to make a successful loaf of bread, you have to have what Betsy offered. You have to have a starter. Usually, you get a starter from someone who has already nourished those ingredients and nourished them to get them ready to bake. One aspect of the starter that is especially interesting to me is that I understand that you have to take the grain in its natural form and you have to grind it down to make the flour. So you have to change 
the ingredient in order to make it able to infuse with the water to make the starter. It changes the natural state of the grain and molds it into the essential ingredient for sourdough bread. To be the aroma of Christ, we must be ground down and changed into a new creation in Christ. We see this in Paul's words in the same book, chapter 517. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, but the new has come. So today, I want us to consider what I've called, titled an aromatic recipe. A recipe for being the aroma of Christ in our everyday lives. Just as the sourdough bread has an essential starter, so does this recipe. The starter is an ingredient you cannot do without. If you leave it out, the bread will not, the bread will not bake correctly, and the usually pleasant odor, pleasant aroma, will become an indistinguishable odor while it's baking. The, the essential ingredient to be the aroma of Christ is salvation. Paul was writing this letter to a church of Corinth, and that was comprised of mainly believers. But there were false teachers among them. There were people who didn't have a saving faith. They looked like believers. They called themselves believers. They spoke with authority and confidence like they were believers. They had all the right things to say, except they had not truly had the heart change and true conversion experience of salvation. So first of all, salvation is a gift. We see in Ephesians 2.8 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Salvation is recognizing that you are a sinner, and we are sinners. All of us in this room, we are all sinners, and we are in need of a Savior. We see in Romans 8.28 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Savior has been provided for us in the person of Jesus Christ. He was fully God in the beginning. And he came to earth fully God and fully man. He was born of the Virgin Mary. And he walked among men here on earth. He was wrongly arrested. He was tried. He was persecuted. And he was crucified. He was dead and buried. And he rose again to life on the third day. He ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of our Father. He did all of that as a gift from God to us, sinners who are in need of a Savior. On your tables, a little different today, is we have candles. And um, so we had, they, as you came in, you may have noticed them. I don't know. Maybe you're used to having candles sit around. Um, but I want us to consider these candles for just a minute. They all look the same. They are all made the same way. They all have the same function, which is add, to add beauty or light into the light when needed or beauty to the decor of this room. They are candles. They are all candles. If you were to examine them a little closer, maybe pick them up and smell them, you would notice that some of them have an aroma, my favorite aroma, vanilla, and some of them have no distinct smell. In the church in Corinth, there were believers who had saving faith, and there were others who looked the same And functioned in the same way. But upon closer examination, the believers were the aroma of Christ. And the others, without saving faith, were without distinct smell. As we are sitting in this room today, it is possible that we are exactly like the church in Corinth. That we have people in this room 
that have saving faith. And we have people in this room that have not experienced the true heart change and conversion of salvation. We are one or the other. There's no in-between. We are either the aroma of Christ or we are just like the candle with no scent. So before we continue with this, the rest of this aromatic recipe, I want us to pray. Father, all the women in this room are here to study your word today and to learn more about you and how your word applies to us on this earthly journey. For those of us in this room that have experienced your salvation, I thank you. We are confident in it, and for that we give you thanks. Thank you for sending your son on our behalf. And Father, if there be even one among us today who has not experienced this free gift of salvation, I beg you to reveal to her heart today that she is in a, sinner, a sinner in need of a Savior and that you have provided that Savior for her. Examine our hearts, Lord, and reveal your Holy Spirit to us. In your son's precious name, amen. That's the essential ingredient. Anything I have to say after that doesn't matter if you, don't have the, if you haven't experienced salvation. But we're, before we move on, if you feel at any point through your study of God's word that you're not sure that you've experienced true salvation, I want to encourage you to seek out someone who has. There's lots of us in this room. Our small group leaders would all attest to the fact that they have experienced that and would love to walk you through that and help you experience that. So let's move on. Once we've experienced the gift of salvation... It becomes the foundational ingredient in being the aroma of Christ to believers and to non-believers. So what does that look like? What other ingredients do we discover in God's word for becoming the aroma of Christ? These ingredients we have a part in. Salvation we don't have a part in. But in the rest of these ingredients we can choose to participate in them, to own them, in order to make the aroma of Christ more obvious in our lives. So just as the wheat berry has changed into flour, that has been changed into flour, infuses the water to form a basis or a starter for bread that will provide nutrition, a person who has received the gift of salvation will see their lives infused with worship. That's the next ingredient. John Piper says, true worship is valuing or treasuring God above all things. You can be assured that when you truly understand what God has done for you through Jesus, you will long to worship. You will have to worship. Personally and corporately. John 4, 23 and 24. The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit's. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Worship is a natural outflow of salvation. But it is something that we have to choose to participate in. And if we truly know Jesus, we will choose to worship. Another ingredient in this aromatic recipe is community. Notice, I'm going to say again, Paul writes 2 Corinthians to the church he established in Corinth. This letter is not addressed to individuals but rather a community. Paul established churches in Corinth, Ephesus, Galatians and, other, Galatians, and others because he knew the need and the value of believers doing life together. We're a community here as we study God's word. 
It is, it, it is in community that we find encouragement, rebuke, support, and love. This is where we have our arms held up like Aaron when we are too tired to go on in community. This is where we learn to persevere. Community is where we are honest, authentic, and share our joys and our sufferings together. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Community is an important ingredient in helping us be the aroma of Christ. We need to know God. How do you get to know somebody? You spend time with them. You study their personality, their character, and their attributes. We get to know God and Jesus by praying and studying the Bible, which is the true, complete revelation of God to us. Obedience. In verse 9 of this very chapter, Paul tells the Corinthians, For this is why I wrote, that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. John 14, 15 tells us quite simply, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I'm not sure there's much to add to that. (laughs) If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Segwaying right into love as the next ingredient in an aromatic recipe. Paul described that true love in 1 Corinthians 13, 7 and 8. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. This is a selfless love. That puts others before self and models the love of Jesus for us. Unity and peace are important ingredients. A lack of unity among a community of believers will quickly destroy a pleasant aroma and turn it into a stench that does not represent God at all. There are essentials to our faith. Absolutely. There are essentials to our faith that we must all agree on. And just to name a few... Jesus was fully man and fully God. He is the Son of God. And Jesus is a gift to us for our salvation. Those are two essentials that we all have to agree on to have unity and peace. But there are non-essentials that we do not have to agree on. But we have to disagree agreeably. Um, We need to look at Romans 12, 18 to know how to handle disagreement in those non-essentials. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all to those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. Humility is another ingredient. Humility is a modest or a low view of one's own importance. It's the exact opposite of pride. Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. And Proverbs 11:2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. I love it when I'm studying scripture and I think, nothing I can say there. That's just the way it is. And that's just the way it is in that verse. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Suffering. We learned last week. And I'm going to use a missyism. This is the direct quote of missies. God uses our suffering to glorify himself and to draw people to himself. Suffering increases our understanding of the gospel. We are to expect suffering as believers and to know that our comfort comes from God himself and that he always has a purpose to our suffering. 
the aroma of Christ is present among us when we are suffering and we are still holding on to the truth and the principles that we know from God's word. Another aspect is joy. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Forgiveness of sinners. Paul discusses forgiveness in this chapter, so I want to spend a few few minutes here. So many of us struggle with forgiveness. We feel like judgment or justice is ours to render to someone who's offended us or someone we love. Let's compare for a moment forgiveness versus a lack of forgiveness. A lack of forgiveness produces hatred, bitterness, animosity, anger, and retribution. Forgiveness produces peace, joy, unity, and restored relationships. A lack of forgiveness imprisons people in their past. Forgiveness frees people from their past. A lack of forgiveness causes bitterness to take root in someone's life, and and it defiles them. Forgiveness relieves tension and stabilizes emotions. A lack of forgiveness is is a life full of turmoil and strife. Believers, uh, a forgiveness is a life full of joy and peace. A lack of forgiveness, we see Paul saying this chapter plays right into Satan's hand. Believers are never more like God than when they forgive. He is the great forgiver. A lack of forgiveness renders believers unfit for worship. But forgiveness precedes, reconciliation precedes and produces worship in the life of someone who forgives. A lack of forgiveness usurps God's authority. Forgiveness is obedience to God's command. A lack of forgiveness disrupts community. Forgiveness restores community. So you can see all of these ingredients beyond salvation overlap with one another. Um, They infuse together just like the ingredients in sourdough bread to result in a distinctive sweet smell that pleases God and is a beautiful aroma to those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. While I'm not sure, and I wouldn't say, that this is an exhaustive list of ingredients that produces the aroma of God, it is certainly a jumping off point for us to do as Paul instructed us in 2 Corinthians 13.5. Test yourselves. To see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you? Unless you indeed fail the test. Let's pray. Father, we know that in our own power, we cannot accomplish being an aroma of Christ to those who are being saved, to those who are perishing. But, Lord, we know that in the power of Christ and through your Holy Spirit, we are able to do just like that. Lord, speak to our hearts. Teach us what we need to do in order to represent you and to be the sweet, sweet smell that makes mouths water and long for you and stays with a person long after the encounter has gone. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.